Welcome to Decaf, the Beacon Center's weekly podcast. I'm Taylor. This is Mark. Mark, are you drinking your morning coffee? I've got my, oh. my latte that oh, I went yeah. to try the Wait, other day. You didn't tell me. Where do you get that from? Is that from like the grocery store? New Publix. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. How much, are, how much is it for like, what if you buy them like four packs? It's like two fifty. You buy them as singles, but it's like a lactose free. This is okay. Not a sponsored ad. This is a <laughs> lactose free, like canned latte. And Stephanie actually turned me on to them and I have gotten all the flavors. This is the like non-flavored one. There's a vanilla one and a mocha one. And the I vanilla think, one's the one you let me try, right? Mm-hmm, the vanilla one's the one I had on so Monday. Good. It's so good, and it's only 90 calories, the equivalent of one and a half cups of coffee, and, I mean, it's kind of like a good little day starter. So, cheers. Thank you, Luckalum. Do you know what's interesting, too? When I drink in the morning, I drink coffee in the mornings, like, I do love coffee, but my first drink, I always like a nice, cold, refreshing drink, which is why I drink energy drinks, but that, yeah, I think that would that would meet me. Yeah, I, so I my, first cup, my first cup in the morning is always a cup of black coffee, hot. But then after, and that's like nice because I drink it in my bed right when I'm waking up. But then once I start working and I'm usually talking a lot because I'm an outreach person, I have to have something cold. And so this is like my mid-morning little treat. So we're the opposite, but you should definitely try these. Well, you're always talking a lot whether you're working or not, but I, I will. I mean, that was very good. So we'll, we'll move on from there. Decaf insult count for the day. <laughs> we're at one. Um, so I am really on one this morning. We had our staff coffee call at nine and even Suzanne and Jamie recognized that I am on one. And um, the reason that I'm on one is because of the tax increase that Nashville Metro Council passed two nights ago. I um, am very frustrated. They passed a tax increase of 34%, which is 2% higher than what the mayor called for that was outrageous to begin with. <laughs> um, in the same meeting, they pushed off um, the home business bill, which would allow home businesses. So people have been locked down for months and months and months and can't go to work. And we're still only in phase two, I think, in Nashville. And home businesses still aren't allowed, but they're going to tax the crap out of us. I'm going to refrain from using expletives because I'd like to keep my job. But um, I have not been refraining for, for the last 48 hours. Sorry, Mom. Mark, your thoughts. It's actually impressive that the city council can be that out of touch with with what their constituents want. I mean, it's it's honestly impressive. Like the 32% everyone's like, that's insane. No, we can't do that. People are sitting there like, you know what? Forget that. We're going to raise it even more uh, to make sure that we're funding all these terrible art projects in Nashville and everything. I mean, we, we can't cut anything for government. And that's the worst. I mean, th- these, these council people really should be ashamed. All 32 have voted for it. And you have to wonder, like, to, to put such a gigantic um, tax increase on on – everyday citizens on middle-class taxpayers and not cut anything at all from their budget. It, I mean, it's, it's insane. We already have too much budget as Ron showed, like we already have too many government employees compared to other cities of our size. The healthcare is too good compared to, I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy that they felt like this was the right course of action. What I suggest is that we should cut the city council's pay completely and they should not, no longer get health benefits for life. I think there's a great way to save money and to show, even if it's not a huge thing, like, you know what, we're in this with you. We're not just going to do the easy thing and pass this huge increase. We talk about the average family having to pay somewhere between seven, eight, nine hundred $900 a year. I mean, that's a huge, huge increase for a middle-class family. Well, and, and what really bothers me about the whole, well, there's, there's two things that bothered me a lot. One thing that bothers me a lot is how there are people on the Metro Council or people who are in favor of this who are saying, 
well, you know, our taxes aren't as high as they should be for a city in Tennessee. All these, who decides how high taxes should be? Can I be on that committee? Because if I was the one deciding how high taxes should be, we'd be, it'd be like, anarchy we would be paying any property taxes and the government would tighten their belt and do only what government does i think it's a disagreement on the fundamental role of government um i, I and i and i just i argue that a lot with my friends who are liberal to the point of pushing socialism is we disagree on the fundamental role of government if the role of government is to fund amazon and to fund alliance bernstein and to fund the music city center then Tax increases are what's going to have to happen, but if the role of government is simply to keep us safe and to keep the roads paved and the water on, like, I know I'm being dramatic and just and naming a few things, but if the role of government is to just stay small and only be essential services, then we wouldn't be facing this. And governments don't create revenue, taxpayers create revenue, and then we're forced to give it to them. And if a family, if a government was budgeting like a family was, we would not be in this situation. And it's not all Cooper's fault. It's been years of fiscal mismanagement, but he had a chance to make a really smart decision and he didn't do it. And I'm really I mean, Yeah, I mean, he, he could have cut taxes. I mean, he could have not cut taxes. He could have cut a lot of spending, which he didn't really want to touch. And there's something else interesting that I actually talked to a reporter from Memphis last night, uh, Richard Ransom. He was kind of doing a, a Memphis Nashville comparison. He's like, okay, so with, with the taxes for the, the county and the city, Memphis, I think it's like around $7 uh, per $100. And, and he's like, Nashville's only four fifty now. And I thought about them like, oh, that is interesting because Nashville has not had a tax increase on property taxes in eight years. So it looks better than, but then you look at what the property values are of those. So the people in Nashville are paying way more. And even though there wasn't a official tax increase when they did the, um, when they basically, what is it? A year or two ago, the they assessment. talked about properties were worth. Yeah. They did the assessment properties tax assessment and people went way up. And that's what, um, Carrie Bringle from Peg Lake Porker said, even you say, Oh, it's only four fifty per hundred dollars. Like, yeah, well, if the average property in Nashville is worth four times as much as Memphis, guess what? We're paying way more in taxes. So, and, and it's something that Bob Mendez was very misleading about. He wants to say, Oh, we haven't raised it, but all, we have raised it. We raised it a year or two ago. Even the rate wasn't raised. It was raised on probably every single household in Nashville. These people are out of touch. I have seen people that I know who are liberal. I've seen these neighbor groups of people who are pissed about this. They are mad about the number. And, and many of them would say, oh, maybe there's some increase that they would accept, but not 34%. I, I just can't imagine how a house that's worth $200,000, $250,000, which is very low end for Nashville, yeah. you're going to ask these middle class people to pay an extra $700, $800 a year. You're going to ask these businesses that have been shut down for 12 weeks because of COVID-19 to pay an extra 34% a year, whether they own it or not, because if they're running, their next lease is going to go up. It's not just about ownership. And it, it's, it, it makes us all mad. And this is where people leave the city. Just had a great line. He said, this is where, how Nashville goes from the it city to the it was city. And he was spot on. Spot on. I actually emailed my real estate agent. I'm looking at buying a house. I've talked about it on a couple podcasts. I emailed my real estate agent and said, hey, let's start looking in Williamson County because I don't want to give Davidson any of my money. Like that's, that's how mad I am. It's like when Alabama passed the gas tax a couple years ago, I won't fill up my car in Alabama. Like when I go visit my mom, I'll fill up in Tennessee because on principle, I was so opposed to that gas tax. And now on principle, I'm so opposed to this property tax increase that I'm willing to look in like North Brentwood, close to the Davidson line, but not in Davidson because 
on principle, I don't feel like I can give. It's like when you, when you won't give a child, when a child misspends their money, like you give a child an allowance and they spend it on something stupid <laughs> and you don't give them more money. You know, it, it's like that. It's like, I can't give these irresponsible children who are running our city more money to spend poorly. I just can't do it. Comparing accounts to irresponsible children is actually an insult to irresponsible children. But, um, I, I, I do think that you're right. And I'm selling my house. My house value basically just went down the second they passed that. And I was going to look to get an apartment to rent an apartment somewhere in, in downtown Nashville, the Gulch or something. And at this point, just like you, I know it's going to cost me more money. So I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at Wilson County. I'm going to look at Williamson County. I mean, I'm going to look elsewhere because of this. And guess what? There's a lot more people like us and they realize and, I mean, we're going to turn more into San Francisco or Seattle if we keep this up. And there's still, with all that budget, there was no actual changes uh, that are long-term fixes of the problem. It's just a short-term Band-Aid. So um, you should be mad. Everyone should be mad, whether you live in Nashville or not, because this is just, this is one of the most egregious tax increases I've ever seen, ever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure we could talk about this forever, but you gave me a window for a good transition, so I'm going to take it. Um, speaking of Seattle... <laughs> Oh yeah, there you go. That, that, was, that was a good transition. Um, speaking of Seattle, there is, I, I honestly don't know what the heck is going on. When did it become okay for citizens to just have an autonomous zone in the middle of a city? I, I okay, so this is, this is kind of weird. I'm going to relate it to, I went on a mission trip a few years ago to Cuba. And there are these areas in Cuba where the government has kind of disenfranchised these people. They operate as autonomous entities, but in exchange for being an autonomous entity, they don't get electricity. They don't get running water because they don't abide by the government rules. So the government doesn't give them benefits. And as I'm thinking about what's going on in Seattle and all of these people in the, is it Chaz? Are they thinking of changing the name? I'm just, I think they changed the chop, which is also the children's hospital of Philadelphia. So it's a weird, like that's, I know chop. I think they actually officially have changed it. Things are weird. So they went from <laughs> Sonny and Cher's daughter turned son, Chaz to the children's hospital of Philadelphia. This is, things are weird. Things are very weird. Anyways, when I think about people, especially like these millennials and Gen Zers who are like, we don't need the government, but you're, you're using the streetlights, you're on city property, you're sleeping on side, paved sidewalks, you're probably drinking water from a drinking fountain or a hose or something like that. Like, I'm just very confused about what we think an autonomous outside of independent government society is going to look like. I'm just really confused. One, one of my favorite things, um, Natalie Allison, who's a Tennessee reporter, was that they, I guess Nashville, they, they were trying to make their own Chaz. I think it was a much more, a much better, more peaceful one than Seattle. But she was there. She's like, oh, everything's peaceful so far. I've just seen two protesters arguing about what's a better way to go, communism or anarchy. I'm like, what? There's the exact opposite. Like, how is that an argument they're having? Uh, and it, it's wild that that's like a potential argument, like what, completely one way or completely other, either no government or just an all or like the most government you could possibly have. So I just, I, and I, I truly don't think whatever you think about, I mean, we can talk about the protests and everything later, but I, I don't think this is really part of it. I mean, these are, these are kind of very extreme people. I think a lot of them are are kind of socialists or people who are kind of using this moment to try to push their brand of socialism and not as concerned with, with maybe what's going on, but they, they just like, oh, here's a chance for us to topple capitalism. And I mean, if we've seen things in Seattle, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's working. <laughs> they're, well, they're and I, just, I know they're doing stop and frisk. All these things are against they're doing in their own personal like little thing. I know. And I, and I know that 
my worldview, just because I have done the mission trip to Cuba, I have been in these communities. I've seen what a truly like group of people who have completely departed from society and government looks like. And, you know, I guess people without the worldview that I have would think that like, this is this cute idealistic, like revolutionary yeah. thing. Whereas people who actually have been kicked out by their government and live on their own or living in cardboard boxes and slums in other parts of the world. We need to have a greater worldview, I think, when we're talking about issues like this and people trying to depart from the government and create these zones in the middle of cities that the police aren't welcome to enter or whatever. We need to think about it in, with a greater worldview rather than just this immediate something that sounds good. And to be clear, this is not an autonomous zone. They are in U.S. territory. So, like, even if Seattle's enforcing it, like, if they murder somebody, they are still under U.S. laws. Like, they don't – they use the term autonomous, but they're only autonomous in their own mind. So, I mean, That's it's, what I'm saying, yes. Yeah, I, I do think that most people – again, I don't think it really matters where you're at in the political spectrum unless you're, like, an actual socialist communist. Like, 90% of people, even people who are – like who are really worried about stuff are like yeah these people are kind of crazy even i think I, I saw a black lives matter person be like yeah we're not really they're not really associated with us um so yeah w whatever no i mean it, it's that's a mess and it's like it's always become a mockery what they're doing like all these things they stand for without any kind of authority um all go out the window within like six hours they ran out of food <laughs> it's like of course that's what happens part that's of me what, feels like that's like a true bread lines Part of me feels like that's like a Truman Show parody of 2020. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Is this real or are we being pumped? Where's Ashton? Is Ashton I, coming? I wish he was. He's oh, there. Gosh. Um, so we can move on to our next topic because I feel like we've made fun of those people enough. Um, something that's actually not funny at all, but I'm glad is getting its time in the spotlight. Have you, Mark, watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix? I have, I have. It is, it's, it's something else. It's called Epstein something too rich or something. I forget what the name of it is. Okay. So I, it's like filthy rich or something. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yep. I watched the first episode and it made me nauseous and I had to stop and cause I wasn't prepared. I think I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I watched the first episode. I heard the first account. I hadn't really been listening to the accounts because obviously I believe them, but like, I just don't, I don't have the stomach for things like that. Like I just can't handle it. Um, after all the Harvey Weinstein stuff, I listened to all of that and listened to Ronan Farrow's coverage and I just couldn't do the Epstein thing. Then I watched the first episode and I had to stop and I told my friends I couldn't watch it. And then I just was like, I need to know, I, I just need, I just need to know what happened. And so I went back and watched it again. It, I don't know how to say this without being very extreme, but I do feel like this is one of the situations where I can be extreme and you won't get mad at me, Mark. <laughs> there are certain people in the world who are just a scourge to society. Like there, like there's a special place in hell for people like Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, he's, I mean, he's just, he's such a psychopath and he's such a bad person. And, and another thing is like through watching this, it, it's heart wrenching. Like you said, you hear these women's stories like, Oh my God. But you also are like, what, what is the government doing? Like when I saw, I didn't realize that that Alex Acosta was the same one that, that was uh, Trump's labor secretary. Yeah. I'm like, how did he ever get that job? And then you see like, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. You're like, you, you see this guy who got charged with like soliciting underage prostitutes and then all these celebrities are still hanging out with them. Like Bill Clinton still, still feels confident to go on, on a plane with him. I mean, it is, 
it is really, really shocking. And for people who say, oh, we want more government, they should watch it. Like, this is what more government is. Like, this is, it's insane. Like, his hooks into all these very important, very powerful people that, that covered up for him, essentially. I, it is the most infuriating thing I've ever seen. I, when I was in college, my like career dream was to be a lawyer for the International Justice Mission, which fights human trafficking all across the country. I mean, all over the world. And um, that obviously didn't happen. I love my job now. That's like a dream job. But I have, I've always felt very passionate about human trafficking, especially underage sex trafficking and things like that. That's like, that's like the one thing that just makes my blood boil and watching this and seeing layers and layers and layers of cover-ups and enabling this to happen for years and years and years. And these young women who, you know, I think that I've had problems in my life that I've got to see a therapist to get over, but these young women who were exploited at age 14 and no one stood up for them. No one was their voice. And, and now they're having to deal with this as women, as mothers and wives, they're having to deal with this trauma from this man and years and years of people covering up for him. It's, it's sickening. And honestly, like I am very careful what I let go into my mind. I'm very careful what I watch, very careful what I listen to. Everyone should watch this documentary and know what's happened. And it's like, it's like, how do these women trust the justice system? They, they've known, I mean, they had 40 witnesses on him and he, and he gets off with a, with a slap on the wrist at first. And then a, a year in jail where basically it was like a, a resort he could leave during the day. I mean, it is really, really insane. And, and you really see like some of these government officials, like, how did they let this happen? And, and of course we talk about conspiracy theories and, and I don't think I even realized the extent of how bad of a person Jeffrey Epstein is. I mean, I know he wasn't a good person. Yeah. I didn't understand i thought he kind of just had his island i thought people went there he is the like you said i mean he is the biggest maybe worst person i've ever seen on there uh, on any documentary i mean he is just a horrendous person and it really like i don't know how you can trust the government or the legal system after watching that i mean it is so so hard to watch and you're like just arrest him put him away for life if you have all you 40 people this should not be I know. And, and even like we talk about the government officials and the lawyers and the people who are supposed to be coming after him as government officials, think about them as humans. Okay. As a human, even if I had not taken an oath to uphold the law, anything as a human, if I had seen this evidence, I'd be like, I will risk my life, my career. I will risk everything to not let this happen to another person. Yeah. How, how do you live with yourself? If you're one of these people that helped cover it up or gave this deal, I would not be able to live with myself for, yeah, forget even my job or getting raised or everything. I would not be able to look myself in the face in the morning if it happened. And it's like, it is, it's insane, but it's, it's something worth watching. It, it's tough to watch. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's it's heart wrenching and heartbreaking. Um, there is a little bit of I think a little bit of, of a better feeling at the end of it um, when, when you see these women testify. But but it's worth watching. Just be like, wow, I had no idea. And it's not a political thing. It's not. It's either. not political at all. They did a great job with it. Yeah, people on both sides, the people on the left go, like, oh, well, he knew Trump, and people on the right say, oh, well, Bill Clinton flew to his island a bunch of times. But, like, it's really not a political thing. It's something that you need to watch. It's on Netflix. So it's called what, Filthy Rich Jeffrey Epstein. Just watch it. It's going to appall you, but it's, like, something that I feel like everyone should watch. And I feel like, again, not a paid ad, but there are a lot of organizations out there that help victims recover and help fight against things like this and if you want to get involved just email me because I know a lot of them I was really involved with international justice mission in college I still follow things like that 
Um, we just have to be aware of, of what's going on in the world and that there are women who this isn't their fault and they got into a bad situation and they've been hurt. And so and the easiest thing is because we don't see in our everyday life. Like it's not like I come across that, but like the easiest thing yeah. is to ignore it or, or just don't really know it exists because like you watch it, you're like, Oh my God, this is so much more widespread. And that's things like just because you don't see in your daily life does not mean it doesn't exist. That's the whole reason they're, they're successful. I guess if you want to call it that is because they stay under the radar and, but, but it's horrible. And yeah, I mean, if, if you want to talk about it, a place to donate. That's it. Like child sex trafficking is one of the places like we just need to stop it. So, and there's so many great organizations that do work on that, that especially in, in other countries. I mean, it's, it's a great, great mission with, with a lot of these nonprofits have. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty well connected with several of them. So email me Taylor at beacontn.org. I can help connect you with any of them. Um, so anyway, watch that. Let's talk about something happy to end this with. Yes. Um, good. Nashville is in phase two woohoo things are going to start opening up soon and um what was it was it eater or thrillist they just came out with, like, it, it was e eater yeah i think i think what they do is i think i don't know if it's i think it's quarterly they do like basically the top 38 restaurants in nashville right now or whatever yeah so i went through the list um mark let's see if did you go through the list too I did. And also, as a note, we should do this more often and kind of do the different cities in, in, in Tennessee because I think they have Knoxville and Chattanooga too. Yeah. So, but yes, no, I did go through the list and th these are not as much my places as places you like, but there's a couple I really like. Okay. So what are yours? Okay. So I love, I, I think one of the Moss Tacos, Por Favor, one, some of the best tacos I've ever had in my life. A they're, fried they're, avocado taco. Come to mama. That is good. They have that like Mexican milkshake soda. I don't remember what it's called. What's, what's that called? Horchata. Oh my God. Horchata is so good. Their tacos are excellent. I think the only thing I didn't like is that they don't have cheese. Mm -hmm. They don't put cheese on there, which I like cheese and they have a lot of vegetables, but man, they're, everything is so good about it. Those tacos, the, the meat, the, the shells, I mean, they're just incredible. I mean, they're so good. It's perfect. And, um, and a lot of these places are like kind of places that are a little bit, <laughs> they're a little bit nicer than what I like. But I also like the two pizza places, which is Manny's, which is right by our office, basically yeah. right next to you. I think a weird guy hit on you before there. Um, oh, my um, so gosh. Get back. And then Nikki's Coal Fire is also, is also a fun, a, a good place, good to go. Close to your house, right? Yeah, I, I walk to Nikki's Coal Fire. If you ever go to Nikki's, get – they have this um, – skillet focaccia bread and they have this Ooh. sorghum butter that you dip it in which is a little salty a little sweet it just trust me just get the bread just focaccia bread is excellent and not served enough places that like spongy i really like it mm -hmm. and they salt the top and they put rosemary and salt on the top and then they have this sorghum butter that you could put on it's it's so good so so what are your like i, I think i know something but what would you be like your top two okay so cafe rose oh, oh i'm sorry i missed peg leg porker that's oh. the best Hands down. I, I forgot number 24. Easily the best. Okay, so I'm sorry. Go with yours. No, Peg Leg is on my list, too. I actually went to Peg Leg with Suzanne. We love Kerry Bringle. He's a oh, great yeah. guy. He really stands up for the rights of property owners in Nashville as far as property taxes go. He's a great guy. And his food is amazing. I went to Peg Leg with Suzanne, my first restaurant back into the world post-COVID or as we were easing back in. And I tried to rip a Ew, your foot. I tried to rip a rib <laughs> off of the rack of ribs and I just pulled the bone out of the meat. It's like that tender. It's they're, it they're is. It's, so good. It's per it's perfect. I mean, it is like, if you want to talk about a perfect meal, every time my dad comes, my mom comes, they'll come and get three meals there in like five days. Also, <laughs> I apologize. I'm in, I'm in my bed doing this right now because my house is being painted. So if you see my foot randomly going over, you see the kind of like the darker background. I am doing this from bed because my house is being painted before I put on the mark. 
so I was I wearing just, my slippers. Okay. So. Oh, there you go. So, so, so what's your other one? You said Cafe Rose? Cafe Rose. It's in East Which Nashville. you told me to go to. I've just never been. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I, every time I go, I get the same thing. Shaved celery salad, French fries, and a spicy margarita. It sounds really random. What but, a weird combo. Like the healthiest thing you can get, a super unhealthy thing, and then just kind of a weird spicy margarita. Like that's just a weird combo. I know. Well, my friends, my best friends live in East Nashville. Their neighbor owns Cafe Rose. She's a great woman, a really hard worker. Um, we adore her. Cafe Rose is just a great place. She's developed everything on the menu. It's delicious. It tastes very clean. Definitely go to Cafe Rose. And I was actually in the background of Very Cavallari when we were there one night having margaritas. They were filming Very Cavallari there. You can see me in the background on one of the episodes. Um, uh, was it probably Jay Color just trying to hit on a, a random women. Was that was that part? Of it? <laughs> yeah, not that. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, and then the other place that I love is this is also a pizza place that Mark didn't say didn't mention, but uh-huh. Folk. Um, Wait, what's it called? It's called Folk. I've never even heard of it. Okay. So it's very similar to Nikki's Cult Fired and how they do their pizza, but they've got some small plates. Like they've got this one small plate that's just royal red shrimp boiled in butter and Old Bay seasoning. Very good. Um, Their cocktails are unbelievable. I've gone there before just to get drinks. Their cocktails are amazing. It's just a really cute, really healthy place. They've got this white pizza with like white sauce and garlic and fennel and all this good stuff. Um, I love folk. And then the other place that um, is that I love so much is 210 Jack. Best ramen. It's just, they have great ramen. So is that a chain? Because I saw one of those in Chattanooga. Yes. Okay. So it's, not really a chain. It's just Chattanooga and Nashville, I'm okay. pretty sure. Okay. But um, it is delicious. Tootin Jack, also in East Nashville. I'm really like kind of an East Nashville snob with my food. But Yeah, I don't even understand the ramen thing. I still don't get that. Like you can buy it for 99 cents. Like it's crazy that people do full meals and pay like $15 for ramen. But no, I didn't get it either until I had Tootin Jack ramen. They have like great meat in it. The way they cook their meat is delicious. They have got all these great appetizers. They've got these like Asian chicken nuggets. Just trust me. Just well, trust. I, I might try that. I feel like I still don't get the ramen thing. It's like that is that was when you were in college and you could afford. You want to get seven meals for under three dollars, you would get ramen. Not. It's not like a place I want to be like. Oh, I'll spend fifteen dollars on it. But okay. I, I, it was, I, us, I just don't think I'll ever spend money on that. Some of us still like the cup of noodles. I still love just like a no. ninety-nine cent styrofoam cup of. You noodles. are not. You are not nineteen anymore. You don't have to like that. You've grown past that point in your life. Dude, I actually do really like it, and that's kind of embarrassing. But I really love, still love cheap ramen noodles. Remember that when you say that my taste is trash from now on. I just want to keep bringing this back up. But there are okay. a few things like uncrustables and ramen noodles that I still like. Okay. Whatever. Well, we we got to go. This has already been like a long episode, but it's fun. Um, and we'll see you next week. See you later.